Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The usual suspects have returned to the fray. The Guardian, Gordon Brown, John Major, Tony Blair, and guess what they want? That's right, a government of national unity. Now, where did we hear that before? Just trying to remember, I think it might have been... Oh, yes, uh, during the Brexit stalemate of last year when they decided that the government couldn't do anything, uh, so they should all come back and rescue us from ourselves. What an absolute load of old nonsense. What is it about these people that makes them think anyone wants them back? John Major, whose specialities included watching cricket at Lords and consulting with Edwina Curry. Gordon Brown, who sold off all our gold at record low prices and thought deregulating the banks was a great idea, thanks to Fred the Shred. Tony Blair, who took us all into an illegal war in Iraq, uh, for which we are still paying the price. And lastly, The Guardian, which is happy to employ journalists who think it's fair game to go after our Prime Minister as he fights for his life in the intensive care ward at St Thomas's Hospital. I'd have to say, folks, thanks, but no thanks. We'll call you if we need you. The very same people are arguing that there is some form of power vacuum at the heart of government, despite the fact that Cabinet responsibility remains intact, Dominic Raab has been deputised as the acting Prime Minister, and the programme of prescription and recovery continues. Don't be fooled by the lefties, people. Let's stick with our elected government. That's right, the one that won by a landslide, the one that was chosen by the people of this country to actually run this country, not the people who lost, who the people of this country do not want running the country. I heard it all yesterday when John McTiernan, Tony Blair's former political advisor, suggested that not only should we get um, Keir Starmer into Downing Street, but we should get Sadiq Khan in there and David Lammy. I mean, for God's sake. As ever, we want to hear from you today as well. We'll be attempting to answer your questions, your concerns, while at the same time giving you the voice to tell us what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and how you're all doing as well, because that's very important. 0344 499 We'll be going over to Dubai to see how lockdown UAE style is doing, and we'll head to the USA as President Donald Trump has threatened to stop all US funding for the World Health Organization because they're a bit too close to China. And we're getting a special guest appearance from TV chef James Martin. As ever, we are live streaming on YouTube, on Facebook, 
Facebook and on Twitter, so you can watch us now as well as listening to us. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say we're going to start the show off this morning with an old friend of the show, someone that we haven't spoken to for quite some time, but who was a very regular guest in the tent of common sense down on College Green all those months ago when Brexit was the only thing we thought about. It is, of course, Kate Howey. Kate, a very good uh, morning to you. Good morning, Mike, and what a wonderful summary that was. <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed. I mean, I have to say, you know, when the, when you see Tony Blair and Gordon Brown and John Major wheeling themselves out as if they're going to be the kind of the superheroes of the modern era, because only they know how to run the country in a, in a, in a time of trouble, you just can't help but think, have we gone back to November? Well, yes, and, and it, you know, it, I suppose it was to be expected at some time because that's exactly the kind of um, way that um, certain, certain uh, people in the media behave. And then those politicians, um, those kind of either failed politicians or people who've gone off and, and finished their stint, you know, are, are, look like they'd like to come back. But I, I don't think, you know, I think one of the things that's happened during this whole lockdown is people, because they're at home and they're listening much more to mm. television and the media, they're becoming much more, I, I would even say, cynical about the media, particularly the mainstream media. Oh, for sure. I obviously channels, you know, radio shows like yours are getting more people because we're just so fed up. Even I, yesterday, after watching the briefing, I had to just tweet, tweet something, which probably wasn't very kind, but I said that, you know, I was begin it might be the lockdown, but I was beginning to lose patience with, with Robert Peston. I yes. mean, I find the whole way that those journalists every day just want to find something to be negative about. Yes. And, you know, the country at the moment, we need to be being positive. Right. Also, also, as I've said many times, and I sort of kicked off the Robert Peston backlash last week, I think, when I said, look, journalists' jobs at the moment is to get information. It is not to try and pin somebody out or to try and find fault with something the government hasn't done. Surely it's about finding information for people who need information, and that's that's our job. Our job is to be the conduit between government ministers and the rest of the, the country. Yes, and the kind of questions they asked are not really designed to be the questions that the public would be asking. We hear the questions the public are asking when we get sometimes on, on radio shows people, uh, you know, doctors and medical people appearing and asking questions. Uh, it just always looks like they're out to see which one of them can be the one that gets the headline or yeah. wants it for their, their story that night. I mean, so I, I, call, I call them the three stooges, you know, uh, Laura Kunzberg, Beth Rigby and Robert Peston, who always get to ask the first three questions, and they always ask the same question. Well, at, at least Mike, uh, at least the chap from Sky was um, able last, you know, to actually send good messages to to, um, to the Prime Minister, yeah. which I don't think Beth Rigby did. However, let's not... Uh, I, 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 but I, all I was saying really was, Mike, that I think the public are becoming more aware of all of this because most people go about their daily lives and don't listen all the time to, um, you know, to, to watch television and so on. And now they are seeing it regularly. I think they're able to make up their own minds. Mind you, I'm only starting to listen to the news now once a day. Yes. I just, really fed up with a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, how are you coping, generally speaking, with the whole situation? Because well, we haven't really you know, spoken to you for a while. No, it's... Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, in, in some aspects of it that you can actually enjoy. I'm very lucky because I'm at, at my... Uh, I'm in Northern Ireland at my brother's um, farm, so I'm able to get out into the fields and nice. watch. And one of the lovely things at the moment, is, of course, with spring coming, you can see things actually literally growing in front of you. So that, that's rather nice. Yes. But in terms of the overall... Uh, lockdown. You know, I, I'm, I'm as frustrated as everyone is, but you know, we we have to we have to go along with it. I just hope that at some stage, some 
some hope is given as to when it might be able to be um, uh, stopped or, or brought down a little bit. For example, garden centres. I, I really do don't understand why garden centres can't be opened, but that's just my own yes. personal. Well, it does seem it does seem as though. Um, and when I was driving through uh, South London yesterday on my way home. There's an awful lot of people out on the streets in London. I'm, un I'm led to believe in other parts of the country it's not quite so busy because people are staying home. But I think the problem with London is it's very overcrowded. There's lots of people living Absolutely. very close together in very small pieces of accommodation and, they sort of, and, they're, and they're going out shopping and it just looks like there's a lot more people out and about. Yeah, well, I spend a bit of my time ringing former constituents who I know in Vauxhall who are on their own yeah. Time. And also, you know, I think of so many people who are living in very tiny flats with children overcrowded that don't even have a, a balcony to sort of stand out on. Right. And that, you know, I think there's a limit to how long it can go on. But obviously, we hope that what we're seeing now is the effects of that uh, three weeks lockdown by the end of this week, hopefully we will see some pattern which is showing things are improving and, and uh, we can all hope for that. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think everyone t t uh, handles it differently. And uh, I'm actually being able to read and do things that I haven't had time to do yes. for 30 years. I know. I, funnily enough, I found myself talking to people on the phone that I haven't spoken to for a long time yes. just because I tended not to do that so much when I was busier. But now yes. I've got a bit more time for, for sort of interaction, as it were, uh, on the phone, which is, which is great. Um, what yes. about Boris? Let's talk about Boris Johnson because you worked very well, closely with Boris in, uh, in the City Hall when, when he was mayor. Um, yeah. we, I think we're all feeling slightly better about it all today. Well, I mean, it was such a shock. Uh, I suppose not so much that he got the symptoms, but there was the fact that they, you know, then when we heard he was taken into hospital, yes. of course I knew he was going into the best hospital. I mean, Thomas's was in my constituency. I know right. it well. It's absolutely wonderful. But I, the, the, the shock of knowing that he was gone into intensive care, I, I mean, I just felt numb really and I think a lot of people did it was feeling a lot a lot better um, today I hope we're looking to the hear the next the next bulletin and uh, you know knowing Boris as I do and as many many people do who have worked with him he he is he has got such a strength of of optimism and and belief not just in in in, in himself but in the in the whole country that you know I, I he will fight it and uh, he will be when he does recover, he will be desperate to get back to being being the figurehead at the top of our our government at a, at a time like this when we do so need that kind of optimism yes. and, and resilience. And, it, and, it, and it tells something about tells you something about his charisma and his leadership qualities that when he isn't there, it does look like a very much less good government. But that doesn't mean that it is. You know, the fact the fact that Dominic Raab is not the same sort of you know charismatic figure as Boris does not mean that he can't do the no. same job, does it? We, but we have, and you know, and this again where the journalists really annoy you. You'd think they would know, and I, they do know, but they're playing politics in a stupid way. We have a cabinet government, we have a cabinet that has response, each of them's got their responsibilities, they've got these committees that are coming together to work on the, on, on, on the issue. And, uh, but what, but, you know, what, what be missing? Well, that, I mean, I remember so much at City Hall whenever there was a day um, I was doing the sports stuff. And, I mean, we didn't have too many bad stories. But occasionally on some of the other areas, there'd be a very bad story or a bad headline. And everyone would go into the sort of meeting feeling a bit, oh, dear, this is going to be, you know, this is bad. And, and, and <laughs> Boris would, would be there. And Boris would be, you know, just so uh, sort of gung-ho about mm. it. And so, so much that 
you came out feeling actually that there was a, uh, a good thing that had come out of uh, whatever the bad news story was. And, and he, he does have that capacity to, you know, really motivate people and to make people... The great thing about him was he was a great delegator too. So even though he's been the Prime Minister and is in charge and is at the top, you know, he, he has people around him who he will have made very clear what he wants done and, and how he wants it done. And, and it's that ability to... You know, to get people to be loyal to him. I, I remember first just after Ken Livingston had finished at City Hall and going in there and the new mayor. And I remember thinking, I wonder what all these people who work there and have been working, you know, hundreds of people at City Hall who worked for Ken Livingston. Will this be difficult? Will, you know, and within a few days, you know, Boris had just become someone who, because he stopped and talked to people. He, yeah. he, he would go walk around the building. He, he got people to feel that he really was on their side as well as, the, as, as London. Well, this is the thing. I mean, he's very popular with all sorts of people and the sorts of people that the left of the, of, of the political strain in this country can't quite stand. I mean, looking at The Guardian front page this morning, picture with Dominic Raab, the headline says, Power Vacuum Fears as Prime oh. Minister Remains in Intensive Care. Now, I've read the story, right? There is nothing in that story where anyone is quoted as saying there's fears over a power vacuum. There's nobody saying it except for The Guardian. <laughs> Literally. I mean, of course, of course, politicians will have disagreements even within the cabinet. But, you know, at a time like this, the, 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 anyone really thinks that there are going to be members of the cabinet who are going to sort of try and, and, and be different and put their own personal ego. Uh, I just do not believe that could possibly happen at this time in our in our country's, uh, you know, problems that we have and and the, the, the media love it and of course i'm afraid I, well i don't read the, i genuinely just don't read the guardian anymore because i just see the word guardian and it yeah. makes me feel quite in fact you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna rip it up i'm oh. gonna rip the guardian up right oh, now live on the radio <laughs> it's absolute rubbish i mean even if, if if i was editing it i'd say to them for god's sake get some mp i don't care how far back on the back benches the mp is i don't care i'm just absolutely not going to stand for this unless you get me a quote from someone who says we're worried about a power vacuum. Yeah, yeah. and, they, and they're, they're finding that very difficult because, you know, in a way, party politics has, has actually gone out of the window with a lot of the politicians at the moment, which yeah. is good. I mean, I was very pleased that the new Labour leader immediately, whatever he said, immediately talked about, you know, giving support to the government but of course you can ask questions but giving support is really really important at this time we have to have a, a united front it doesn't mean you can't ask questions and i you know i i i really admire you mike for having uh, peter hitchin on because yes. i think it's important that people do have that debate, but you need that debate in a in a way that allows um, common sense and not just the sort of hysteria sure. of... Yeah, of I mean, I'm certainly not advocating that we take everything that the government says at these briefings, hook, line and sinker, but be constructive and ask them proper questions rather than things that have happened already that you think you can tell them they didn't do the right way. It's nonsensical because, yes, I mean... Yes, I'm asking, asking to sort of say exactly when something will happen in the future when mm. we don't... We can't, they can't possibly do that. Well, this has been an extraordinary story. I've never known anything like it. I've never seen a story move so quickly, change its direction, you know, change everything about its nature. You know, one day this is a good idea, the next day it's a bad idea. You know, that's just the way this story is going. It's the way the virus is, is spreading. And, you know, I don't understand why people can't get that into their heads, you know? Yes. Well, it's, it's again, they're wanting to just always have something that's different or new. And the 24-hour news cycle doesn't, doesn't yeah. help. I mean, if it, during, you know, even 30 years ago, if this had happened, we wouldn't have been in this position. We'd have got one kind of statement probably a day yes. in government. But, yes, I mean, I, I, um, I, I do 
feel that the country will feel much, much better when we know that Boris is, is back and, and, yes, and I agree with that. Charge again, um, because it's it's just that that feeling that he, you know, he's gone through so. I mean, when you think what he's gone through in the last year, um, I mean, it's amazing his stamina. Incredible, really. absolutely um, incredible. And let's talk just finally about London, because uh, obviously you were uh, yeah. an, an a London MP. You lived here. You were the sports advisor to Boris when he was mayor of London. Um, one of the things that I'm, I literally almost laughed out loud at was John McTiernan yesterday telling me that he thought Sadiq Khan should somehow be involved. Uh, in running the country. And I thought to myself, well, it'd be nice if he could run London because a story this morning saying 14 transport workers have now died after contracting the coronavirus. And a lot of people think that his uh, uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, his rescheduling of the way that the tubes were running, the way that the buses are run, the fact that they will not apparently now in Transport for London allow people to enter buses at the back instead of at the front. You know, he's not exactly playing a blinder here. Um, I, think, I think Sadiq would have been much better to have concentrated uh, since he became mayor uh, on actually on London issues and the, the issues that concern Londoners. What he spent an awful lot of his time, unfortunately, was making announcements and pronouncements and going off to Brussels and meeting EU people yeah. and playing the kind of as if he was the alternative to the government on, to, on, on the issue of uh, the European Union. Yeah. And, you know, London, London is a huge huge city. It, it needs constant, literally every minute of the day, somebody looking at what, what's happening and yeah. coming. And I don't think the solutions... I, I mean, I only saw it on, on what I saw on, on, on television and on Twitter, but it did seem ridiculous that the tubes were so packed in the morning simply because they had stopped running. I don't know why they couldn't have found a situation where they put them all on in the morning as usual and then took some off during the during the day, but I mean, I'm not that, you know, there are probably technological reasons why that... Well, the happen. argument behind it, apparently, is that they've got so many people that are off work with sickness or whatever that they can't run enough trains. I'm not buying that because you've got plenty of people that can drive trains. You could bring back some retired train drivers. It was obviously a move that was made for some reason or other, um, but the, all, all, you, all you know is it was, it was a very dangerous move. Well, it certainly seemed to have meant that people being told to social distance couldn't possibly social distance when they were actually going to work to do the kind of jobs that were needed and necessary and, and vital. And, you know, I, the other thing I suggested, but I don't think anyone took it up, was, you know, the London taxis who have been brilliant, London taxi drivers. I mean, they should have been being brought in to help um, help with taking staff to hospitals in mm. the morning so they didn't have to go on tubes. I mean, the, the cab drivers must be earning so little at the moment that yeah. they would have done that for practically nothing. And, and these sort of... but. You know, I'm 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 an ex MP now, so I can I can uh, <laughs> I can think all these things, and then I can uh, share the frustration of the public when they look and think, why aren't they doing that? Yes, exactly right. Well, you were very much missed, Kate, and uh, lovely to talk to you again. Well, Thank I'll you. Be back when when this is all over. <laughs> yes, well, we must do that lunch finally when uh, when when it's all over. I shall be I'll be the first one at the gates of every restaurant that's about to open for sure. Kate Hurry, former Labour MP for Vauxhall, uh, former sports advisor, of course, to Boris Johnson when he was Mayor of London. London as well. We've got lots more to do. We've got loads of people to talk to, uh, including, of course, a very special guest from Dubai who will be coming up a bit later on. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Watch us live on YouTube. We are live streaming the show right now. Get on it, subscribe it, like it. This is Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
Got a great tweet here from uh, somebody who says, uh, uh, Paul says this, can we have an 8pm countrywide tearing up of the Guardian event? We could all go to the front door and rip it up at the same time. <laughs> uh, downside is we'd have to buy the wretched thing. Well, that's a great idea, I have to say. Uh, now, I'm delighted to tell you now uh, that the next guest on this show, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, uh, is someone that I can say I've admired for a very, very long time. In fact, for her entire life. And that's, I think, the only time I could ever say that because I've known her for her entire life uh, because I made her. Her name is Emma Graham and she is now reporting in from Dubai. Emma, a very good morning to you. Hi, how are you, Dad? I'm very well indeed. Thank you so much for making time for us because I know you're still very busy out there working for CNBC. Um, but Dubai is in a massive lockdown. We spoke about it the other night. And uh, tell us what it's like there. Tell us what the position is and whether you're allowed, what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Well, I'm a big fan of the show and of you, of course, so thank you for the opportunity. It's an honour. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's very serious here in Dubai, actually. I kind of think I misinterpreted coming back. I should have maybe stayed in London and had a bit more freedom. But uh, we're on a 24-hour lockdown here in Dubai, so that was put in place on Saturday um, at 8pm, and it's going to last for about two weeks. Okay. Um, they may extend it, which makes me a bit nervous. And um, there's a citywide sanitation programme in place during this lockdown. So Dubai residents cannot leave their houses and... But it's basically only essential tasks, which is doctors, food shopping or pharmacists. So it's pretty serious here. Right. So does that mean if, if you do go out for food, you're only allowed to go out like once a week or something? Yeah. So, I mean, they can't police it to that level. But what they've said is when you do go out, you need to fill out a permit um, through the Dubai Police Department. Right. And you basically put your car license plates in that or your, you kind of put your address in that and say, OK, I'm going to the shop down the road. And they're tracking you with using AI, apparently. So if you go further than you say you're going, um, they do something to you. I'm not sure. I haven't found out yet. Well, let's hope you don't find out, because I think you should just stay where you are. <laughs> um, and how are you coping with it as, as far as being on your own? Because it means you basically can't see anybody. You can talk. I mean, you and I are speaking quite a lot, obviously, but, but you can't actually physically see <laughs> Thank anyone. Thank God. Yeah, no, we can't see anyone. I've adapted to the house party app, which has been great. Um, so obviously, we've been doing calls with, you know, my brother, your son in LA and, and the kids in, in the UK. So that's a lifesaver. And I've also managed to do a lot of home workouts on my carpet, which has been great. But um, <laughs> CNBC is keeping us busy here. We've got um, reporters out doing various things. So um, and even though I'm an essential worker, I'm, I'm not as essential to be in the office. So working from home uh, brings new challenges, Yes, as and we you're, all know. And you're the only CNBC representative in Dubai at this, mo at this moment, right? Yeah, yes, I am. So um, just kind of reporting on that story. And I think the AI angle is really interesting. And, and I really admire what the government's done because they've, done, they've cracked down pretty quickly here. Right. And I think we had something over like 2,000 cases, but they've taken it very seriously here. We're not allowed out with masks, without masks or gloves. And even the schools, I think, are doing a great job. I have friends with kids here, and uh, the kids um, have to wake up at 7 a.m., be on, on their kind of Zoom calls or whatever with their teachers and say, hi, I'm here. Um, most of them do go back to sleep afterwards, but they are being asked to be present and be awake, which I hear for my brothers is not as easy. Well, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, at 7pm you'd be lucky to get them up by. But, I mean, here's the thing. I suppose that's a good system because it means that it's effectively they're taking the register, aren't they, of making sure that the kids are actually still doing school work. Because it is difficult, I think, for, for a lot of children in this country because they, they're so used to going to school. And if there's no online presence, really, which is organised, they're never going to bother doing it. Absolutely. I mean, at my age of 29, you know, I can't even make myself disciplined. I don't know how you're <laughs> supposed to do it at age 16. So, you know, at least they don't drink red wine yet. But I think no. it's, um, it's, it's very difficult for them. So I think 
what they're doing here. And, and these schools, a lot of them are private schools, but they are really taking it seriously, making them, you know, submit assignments day to day and really making sure these kids get the education that their parents are rightly yeah. paying for. And what does it mean for the businesses of Dubai? Because obviously there's an awful lot of, of UK-based businesses that have businesses in that part of the world. There's also a lot of banking business. There's a, there's a, there's a stock exchange going on, uh, presumably. There's, there's traders. Are people able to go to work? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Dubai is a massive hub here in the Middle East, and you've got HSBC, Standard Chartered City, all these banks here. Um, nobody's going into work. They're not considered um, essential employees, but they are working from home unless they have to be in the office. I think, obviously, Dubai has been in a slowdown for quite a long time, and we're seeing the strangest thing I'm seeing is the property market. I mean, obviously, it's in such a downturn, but there's still people building seven buildings outside my wow. flat, I can see, which is bizarre because, I mean, I don't see how these workers are essential workers, but... Um, perhaps that's another another issue for another time. So yes. uh, we'll see definitely some some economic downturn in the city. I'm I'm sure. Um, and what about the, the whole sort of, world? We'll see. And what about the sort of British expat community there? Um, because there's a lot of people that go to work in Dubai from here. Are they staying there or are they coming back or what? Yeah, I mean, so the most interesting thing about Dubai is it's about eighty percent expat. It's only twenty percent Emirati. So yeah. um, most of my friends who I know here, who are you know Australian Brits. Um, everything that they're staying here um, I think it's safer to be here and I think a lot of us feel that way because the government has taken such stringent action um, and just feel it safer and obviously for our jobs we're still required to be here to work from home but I don't think any of us could have, have realized how serious and how locked down the country could be so um, we are the only emirate to be this locked down but I'm hearing that Abu Dhabi and the other um, six Emirates might be more seriously locked down yeah. as well to, to contain the country. Well, when I last saw you, which was at the beginning of March when you were in London, I don't think any of us thought that this is where we would be in a month's time. I don't think any of us considered that, that we would be literally just sitting in our apartments and houses for the rest of time, not knowing really when that was going to end. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I was on the beach um, in Jumeirah about three weeks ago yeah. having a wonderful time and thinking, I'm really glad I'm back in Dubai with the sun and... Uh, you know, we have a building, a pool that's shut. I mean, everything is shut, every gym, even the building gyms. So um, we have to make make a new normal here in Dubai, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly right. And what about testing uh, in that part of the world? What are they doing about that? Did, if, 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 did they test you only if you have symptoms? Um, yes and no. So there are testing centres they have in place. And basically um, all over every building, they're saying if you feel that you have symptoms, go in, get tested. Um, everybody pretty much has private health care here. Um, but they also are doing statewide testing in densely populated areas, which is what, why they're doing this shutdown. So they'll go to places, um, especially where a lot of the migrant workers are, and they'll go and test everyone there. So right. um, obviously a lot of issues with overcrowding in different parts of Dubai. So they're pretty good about that, which is positive. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you a business question now, so I'm hoping you won't blame me for putting you on the spot. But you cover the oil business quite a lot out there. Uh, we're seeing oil prices yeah. and petrol pump prices dropping here in, in, in London and presumably the rest of the world as well because usage is way down. We've got trains we're running at sort of 5% capacity. Capacity. You know, there's obviously a lot less fuel being used. There's no aviation fuel being used. What effect is that happening? What effect is that having, rather, on, on, on the region's oil businesses? Oh, it's detrimental. I mean, this economy and Saudis, you know, these the Gulf economies are, are penned to, to the oil revenue that they make, um, unfortunately. I mean, we, we are going to see an OPEC meeting tomorrow and then a G20 meeting of energy ministers on Friday, which is all very boring. But I think you may see some deals happening in which these producers like Russia, US and Saudi will all cut uh, production. But the problem is we have no demand, as you rightly say. Nobody's flying, nobody's going anywhere, nobody's using trains. So 
the, the issue is I think we'll continue to see low prices and that's only going to have a negative effect on these economies that are going to try and diversify and have been trying to diversify with, you know, Saudi, with tourism, as you've spoken about on your show before and that sort of thing. But right now, I think it's pretty dire. Um, it really is. Well, so what are you going to do for the rest of the day? How does that look for you? Oh, well, I'm going to work out a little bit and then cook something um, and just try to try to stay calm collected and i'll probably call you tonight um, so you can you know give me some amazing feedback on our interview <laughs> okay well i shall do so it's lovely to hear your voice and thank you so much for uh, for talking to us uh, emma graham cnbc dubai uh, is how you do the sign off if you wish Thank you, Emma Graham, CNBC Dubai. Thank you, Talk Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, my delightful daughter. I couldn't be more proud. Uh, she is in Dubai. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we all have to face. And I know that I'm not alone here when I say uh, there are parts of this which are very difficult. You miss people from your own family. You know, she does live in Dubai and she would not be seeing me on a daily basis. But normally speaking, we would see each other every couple of months or something. She would come back to London. I would probably... I was planning to go over there at some point. In fact, I was planning to take the whole family over there at some point point but that's obviously not going to happen so uh, if you are missing members of your family uh, in the same way that I am you know I do have sympathy for you uh, we have got lots to do today we have got many more of you to talk to and we'd like you to call in uh, as well even if you haven't got anything to talk about but you just want to talk to somebody this is the place to come to 0344 because we do not want you uh, to be in any way alone we do not want you to feel as if you are um, just you against the world because we are very much on your side you are the eyes and ears ladies and gentlemen uh, of the talk radio business and what we'd like to do uh, is help you out whenever we can let's talk to daniel who's in epsom hi daniel mike how are you chief very well sir how are you doing i'm stuck at home with three kids and no work so not very good no uh, i know it's, it's it's not great but you know we're all here in it together so let's try and uh, figure it out thing is mike now i'm at home i'm thinking we should pay teachers seven or eight times more than we pay them at the moment <laughs> no, exactly right um, well you know i was quite interested in what emma was saying there though about the online um sort of registration because one of the things i know that my kids are struggling with down in sussex is just basically having a framework around which to work you know because it's all very well you know being told by your parents to do something but if you're actually being told by the school you've got to log in at 9 a.m every morning to get get your work for the day and then you can do it at any point during the day that would be good it would be good. I've got to give a big shout-out to West Yule Primary School. Because okay. West Yule Infant Primary School. They've been sending out worksheets for us, and it's had a bit of structure for us with my three. I mean, I've got three under seven, so it has been um, it has been a, a sort of a struggle, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to say that when we're out of this, I mean, what I wanted to talk about primarily was the amount of pro-EU people that are trying to use this whole situation to stop us from leaving the EU, because I think that's completely unacceptable, and... Uh, I think we have to leave, and I've got I've got family in Italy, yeah. and I can tell you firsthand that the EU are about as popular, and they're not very popular in Italy at the moment. No, I bet and because they basically refused to help them, didn't they? Well, I mean, essentially, they want to they, they want you to be part of this union, monetarily and, and financial and political union. As soon as you have a problem, you're on your own. Yeah, and, I know. Great, isn't it? And for and for me, that 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 just it it, it shows what they are. They're just a bunch of pen pushers and bureaucrats, and. I give you five to ten years. I mean, I, there must be people looking at the situation, like my family in Italy, Spaniards, and, and across the Eastern Europe and everyone else, are thinking, this isn't working. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, all these countries, right, that are going to need massive economic assistance... If they're not going to uh, get it from the EU, they'll get it from somewhere else. And also, what they won't do is want to put any money into the EU. So the EU will all be um, effectively shut down. Mate, honestly, I just think we're better off out. So, do you know what? Moving forward... 
I think all trade with China needs to change. This is totally unacceptable. In effect, whether they meant it or not, they've infected the world with a killer virus yeah. decimating our economies. I mean, look, a guy like me, Mike, I've had my own limited company for less than a year. I've had one return. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not entitled to anything. I think the most I get is £94. And do you know what? I haven't even claimed it because the reason I haven't claimed it is because I, I, want, to get, I want this country to get back on its feet. Sure. I don't want you £98 a week or whatever it is. I can last three or four months, but let's get back to what I mean. For me, garden centres, for example, they're less populated than, than supermarkets. So why aren't they open? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's more people in your average supermarket than there are garden centres. But I know a guy who owns a supermarket, who owns a garden centre, and he's, he's dying. He's dying because yeah. It's a seasonal business. It's know? a seasonal business, and this is the season for people to go and buy stuff. And also, this is the season where people are spending more time in their gardens. Daniel, listen, I've got to run, but thank you for the call, as ever. Uh, you're absolutely right. I can't see any reason why they could not open garden centres. I really don't think that that would be a problem. I know that they'll say, probably, well, we don't want people driving to them. We don't want people on the roads. Well... You know, sometimes you have to weigh one thing up against another, I, I suspect. But, you know, you may have a different view. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Ian Collins coming up at one o'clock, of course. This now, however, is our homeschooling feature. We've had some fascinating uh, guests on this uh, particular part of the show. We've had Carol Vorderman and teaching us about mathematics. Uh, we've had uh, uh, Susie Dent teaching us about words and teaching us about dictionaries and all that. We've now got another star uh, to join up with, and it is Tim Vine, comedian, multiple winner of the Joke of the Fringe Award, because he's going to tell us how to write a joke. Tim, a very good afternoon to you. A very, very good afternoon to you as well. Yes, I'm a, multiple now refers to the number two, which I like. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, anything more than one. The thing I really like at the moment is the sort of things that everybody's getting up uh, getting up to. Uh, I saw Toya Wilcox and Robert Fripp doing a little dance manoeuvre at home uh, for everybody to watch. I'm looking at your Twitter where you appear to be stirring some uh, something in a bowl um, yes. surrounded by sort of rather large bees that are attached to a hat. Yes. Oh, they're wasps, are they? Okay. And that was, that was one of the first times I've used right. that prop, actually. I got someone to build it for me. I, okay. I, I've I used it once where I went on stage and said, this place is buzzing. <laughs> it looks very complicated. You are the master of the one-liner, aren't you? Oh, well, that's very kind of you. I mean, I, I, it does, I, I make up one-liners a lot, yeah. I, I've, I've tried longer things, but they shorten themselves to, for shorter jokes, yeah. Yeah, I've got a great joke about the word contagious, but it's too filthy to say on the radio. Um, but <laughs> I'll tell great. it to you one day when I next see you. But I, mean, I, wrote, a, I wrote a song called Contagious. It was very catchy. <laughs> very good. Now, we've got children listening to this segment, yes. learning uh, every single day about all sorts of things. Yesterday, we had a fantastic guy called Greg Smy Rumsby on, who's a, an astronomist. Astronomist? Astronomer, even. Astronomer. An yeah. astronomer, I don't know what an astronomist is. Uh, well, he, he, was was telling, he was telling us all about the pink moon, which apparently turns out not to be pink after all. Oh. Um, no, so, I, I missed it. Actually. That was last night, wasn't it? The it moon, was. Wasn't it? I, think yeah. it, I think you might be able to see it tonight as well. Oh, OK, great. So there will be children sitting around listening to this, and you know how they like to make fun of their parents, but, I mean, yeah. is there a trick to writing a joke? 
Well, it's, I think there's, I mean, there's certainly different types of jokes. So I, I tend to do a lot of wordplay. And, uh, and one of the mm. things that, that helps is if you just find words that have two different meanings and start from that, that you know, that's the sort of obvious place to start. Yes. So, I mean, if you, uh, I mean, if you take a word like, uh, um, I don't know, flexible. Um, so I went down to a local gym. I said, Mr. Nasium, I said, uh, I said, can you teach me how to do the splits? He said, how flexible are you? I said, I can't make Tuesdays. <laughs> And in that situation, the so word has got two meanings, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so you sort of, you, you just kind of think of, uh, probably if you want to write jokes at home, and then any kids sort of listening at the moment, it's, it's good to maybe just make a list of maybe ten words that you think have, have more than one meaning. Yes. And then sort of try and mislead people into thinking you're referring to one meaning, and then at the end, it turns out you're referring to the other. Yes. I had a similar one about um, a handyman. Uh, who, oh, went yes. to, uh, who went for a job interview um, and he was asked what he could do um, in sort of, and you can make it the joke as long as you want. So, you know, yes. can you, you know, can you use um, uh, a hose? I, no, no, not really. I don't know how to do that. Can you use a hedge trimmer? <laughs> yes, I like no, no, I don't, I don't know about this one. Um, can you, can you, uh, you know, can you do anything with plumbing? You know, no, no, no. He goes on and on and on and on as long as you like. And then he says, well, what's handy about you? He says, I just live around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a great... It's also good to, to play on, um, like, sort of uh, film titles and things. I haven't seen a cowboy film for ages. It's all quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> Except all quiet on the Western Front isn't a cowboy film. It isn't, you're right. There is a, there is a flaw in that. But, I mean, it's sort of the instant thing. Yes. You're using it in a, in a second meeting. No I, I, right. no, I, no, I get that. But that's the thing. I mean, there's nothing more annoying than a pedant who says, but hang on a minute, that doesn't <laughs> no, work. Yeah. You know, well, I know what you mean. He's just it's telling jokes. It's a joke that starts like this fridge came up to me or something like that. Yes. Go, well, wait a minute, that can't happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 But that's the thing. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of what I call kind of slapstick comedy, but also verbal slapstick, which is the sort of stuff that you're doing, because yeah. it just makes you laugh out loud straight away. Well, and also it's short normally. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, it's uh, that, that probably means you can get away with uh, being extra silly because you you do it before anyone goes. Well, wait a minute, that's a bit daft. You're yes. on to the next one, you know. And I and mean, so, have you ever done that sort of very long, elongated type joke that some comedians do if they're doing a stand-up sort of routine? Well, and... I have a few sort of. I had a thing I, I used to do, which where I'd say to someone in the audience, I say, "Give me a subject, and I'll uh, I'll uh, make up a joke about the subject." Right. And, uh, and then I, they'd say something like, "I don't know." Um, uh, cycling or something, and then I, I said to someone, I was like, okay, well, give me a fact, someone famous, they say the Queen Mother and, and an object and a, a, right. banana, a banana or something, and I'd say, so the Queen Mother was cycling and she was had a banana atta attached to the front of her forehead with sellotape and she was cycling and she was getting faster and faster, and I'd go, into, I'd go on for ages and ages right. and I'd go, and it was sort of, da, 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 and just as it seems like it's getting to some sort of peak, i go, give me another subject. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but, I mean, can you teach yourself to be funny, do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Can you teach yourself to be funny? Well, I think the, the, the way to... Uh, I mean, human beings are naturally funny, I think. We are, we're sort of naturally... Many people are, are, are funny <laughs> without knowing it. And then there are the, oh, really, the ones that I really dislike are the ones who think they're funny but actually aren't. Yes, well, well, indeed, yeah. I mean, the, the, the audiences are always the judge. I've, many of the time I've written a joke and thought to myself, oh, I reckon that's good. And yeah. then I've tested it with an audience... Sadly, me standing in front of an audience in this, in this day and age is currently not allowed. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it must be tough to be a comedian at this point in time. Well, it is for trying out stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can still do the, the, the thing of doing some silly video or whatever and putting it on Twitter. But if you really want to try out, particularly stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy is like a conversation between the audience and the comic. You need that. You need the two things to be going backwards and forwards. You, you, you sort of can't just throw 
stand-up comedy into the abyss. We can, but you, you don't know how much of it is really funny until you try it with an audience. Yeah, right. That's and this, and this will be really. the first time... I don't know if you would, would still have been doing the Edinburgh Festival this year, but, I mean, yeah, it's I was not... Going to, that was the thing that sort of stopped... Sort of stopped was, you know, everything just suddenly dropped off a cliff because mm. I was trying out lots of new stuff because I was going to do a new, uh, new stand-up show at Edinburgh in August. So, so that's kind of uh, put on hold. But hopefully, uh, by the time... Uh, Next August comes around. We'll, well all be up there with doubly great... We'd like, to, we'd like to think so. The Plastic Elvis tour as well, is that something... Um... That's been rescheduled to the autumn, yeah, that sort of... That wasn't what is that? In May. Well, that's me coming on dressed... I mean, this is a bit hard to explain. Well, it's not hard to explain, but it's hard to understand why I'm doing it. Other than it's a vanity project, but yeah. I dress up as Elvis. Right. Um, and I talk as Elvis in between... Uh, songs and stuff. I have a brilliant band, five-piece band, and we do a whole lot of Elvis songs. Oh, really? That sounds That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's great fun. And do you talk like him? Like the, the kind of I do. Yeah, I mean, it's all sort of yeah. It's fantastic. You know, I, I, I was raised on gospel, really. Right. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. That okay. was that was me doing him. And do you do um, all the, the various stages of Elvis, or uh, which stage? Uh, I just do uh, the stage that we're on that night. But um, very good. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. Uh, I do. I, I kind of wearing a big plastic jumpsuit thing, which looks a bit like the '68 comeback special. That's about as close as I get to looking like him. Is it? Is um, it the kind of the Vegas years then? It's a mix of stuff. There's quite a lot of '70s stuff there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So. Um, now let me ask give you me the a subject. Go on, give me a subject. Let's try. It. Let's try. It. Let's let's workshop this for the people listening. Give me a subject. Coronavirus. Um, okay. You can't make a joke about that. No, I'll tell you, I'll come up with another one. Hang on. <laughs> Uh, how about... Um... Well, on the subject of the coronavirus, I was in the garden with my mum the other day, communicating with her through uh, French windows. Oh, yeah. Um, which wasn't easy, because my French is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's very good. What about um, hay fever? It's coming into um, the season. Ah, yeah, you know, I used to do a hay fever joke. <laughs> um, now, what was that? Yeah, well, well, hay fever. I mean, even, listen, when you're writing a joke, even just to, to even if it ends up being not particularly funny. At right. least it shows the, the way you could write it. So you could take hay fever, and that could, for example, be someone who can't stop going, hey, like that. I mean, if kids are listening to that, that might be, you know, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, and it turns out he's got hay fever. You know, I mean, that... that it, it sounds it, like somebody from Liverpool. Funny. But, yeah, <laughs> hey! But, yeah, <laughs> but that shows the kind of... You're taking two different meanings of Yes, that that's situation. good. You know, so that would be a way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, that's been brilliant. Tim, uh, no wonder you are uh, the funniest man alive, and thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I may be the only man alive. Well, you cheered us all up for a start, because one of the things that we need in this day and age is to be cheered up. Are you doing stuff on YouTube and things as well? Uh, well, I've got a YouTube channel of stuff that I, I, and I filmed it all sort of before, so it, that comes out every Monday, a sort of minute and a half of nonsense. But I am chucking a few bits and bobs up, you know, just at home anyway as well. All right. I'll, send, I'll, I'll finish up with a, a tweet. I've just got a tweet from Carol Decker, uh, famously oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Tapao fame. She says, I went all the way to Selfridges the other day. They don't sell them. Really annoying. Very good. Very, very good. good. I well used to joke about uh, 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 that. This uh, what was it? Um, Batman uh, came up to me and uh, and he smashed a vase over my head and he said, and he said to pow. I said, do you mean kapow? He said, no, I've got China in my hand. <laughs> very good. Brilliant. Listen, well, you've certainly cheered me up, and I'm sure you've cheered a lot of other people up. And if you're out there learning how to write a joke, now you know. Tim, thank you very much indeed. Tim Vine, uh, multiple winner of the Joke of the Fringe Award. I feel so much better already. Laughter, genuinely, 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 if you can say it, is the best medicine. Coming up next, James Martin's going to be here, celebrity chef and author. He's got a new book out, Islands to Highlands. Maybe we'll get a joke out of him as well. Uh, this is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. James Martin is going to be joining us very shortly with his new book, Islands to Highlands, which is fascinating. It looks like a great cookbook. He's going all over Britain, basically, and using all the local produce from various different places uh, to cook and give you recipes for. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, I've also started a new podcast called MG's Kitchen, uh, which I might well ask him about. But first, let's talk to Lewis, uh, who is in Cambridge. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Um, I was just calling because I recently saw this tweet from, a tweet sorry, from my local police department, which is Cambridgeshire Police. They've released this online form that allows members of the public to report individuals that they think are breaching the coronavirus restrictions. Right. Um, and I've just been reading through the comments, and it seems to have been getting quite a, a negative response from most people. I was just kind of questioning um, how effective it would be and if it was kind of offering people an easy way to kind of report people maybe for not... Um, two serious issues or things that they might think might be going on but aren't actually going on. So right. I'm kind of questioning that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a, um, um, a, a letter, funnily enough, that I've been sent from my children's school from the Surrey and Sussex Police, which is all about basically making sure that your children are not doing anything they shouldn't be doing. And it says, stay at home unless shopping for basic necessities as infrequently as possible. One form of exercise a day, for example, a run, walk or cycle alone or with members of the household. Um, but they're saying basically if uh, people are outside their premises without reasonable excuses, i.e. Ch you know, children, teenagers, whatever, uh, yeah. they will find them. Yeah, which makes complete sense because obviously they shouldn't be doing that. I was just kind of um, not... not concern about it but just uh, it maybe is offering people a too easy a way of report of reporting something that maybe isn't what they think it is i just wonder if it is an effective way of kind of yes policing the situation or not yes i mean i think if there's groups of young people they should be easy enough to spot lewis thanks we'll, we'll talk about that i'm sure some more tomorrow but um you know it's, it's again it's a striking of a balance isn't it it's about making sure that people are doing what they should be doing uh, not being reckless not being sort of um dangerous in some way, shape or form and, and just not hanging around because that's not what we're supposed to be doing. But one of the things we can do and one of the things I've been doing a lot of as well is cooking because when you're in, in the house and you're isolating either on your own or with members of your family, cooking is one of the great things that you can do. And I'm about to speak to one of the great cooks, James Martin. James, a very good afternoon to you. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Where, where are you at the moment? Um, I'm quite fortunate. I've got a garden, so I'm sat in, sat in my garden at the moment. Very nice. It's not as sunny today as it was yesterday. but It's I... pretty all right down in Hampshire. It's blue very... skies where oh, we are very now. Nice. So... Excellent. Well, I'm loving the sound of this new book, The Great British Adventure, because um, you've basically hit the road and you're going all over the country. And I've got one... My first question, I'm, I'm looking at all the things that you're doing. Traditional singing hinnies in Northumberland. What are they? <laughs> yeah, well, they, you, you, when you put them on the griddle plate, uh, the sound that they make when you put them on the griddle plate, they're supposed to make this sizzling sound. Oh, really? OK. Um, but, yeah, it's a simple little dough, usually done with currants and stuff like that, just basically pan... Uh, they've done it on a, on a skillet, really, and I, and I did it on the barbecue overlooking Holy Island. That sort of, that, oh, I love that, that area. That coastline area is amazing on yes. the east coast. And went over across to Puffin Island, where there's a breeding colony of puffins. There's right. thousands of them over there as well. So it's not right over there. So is your book kind of looking at regional cooking, as it were, in different parts of Britain, or, or just regional stuff that you can it's get when you're there? regional stuff, really. It's celebrating how amazing this country is um, and travelling a little bit further from north to south. So it starts off in the Isles of Scilly, right. uh, which started off on Monday, and venturing over to Jersey Guernsey as the show goes on, and then right up to the Highlands and then off, up into Shetland. Um, and wow. it shows you 
the country at all its glory. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, there are some fantastic parts of this country. I mean, I lived in, in Scotland for a while and we used to drive off at the weekends because it's so easy to get to the Highlands. And I, went, I don't know if you ever found a place called Apple Cross, yes. which is like a sort of a, a, an over, a, a mountain pass, if you like, um, which is kind of brings you down towards Sky. And just the most beautiful part of the world that, that so few people have even seen. I think the same could be said about a lot of places. You know, the hours are silly. I had so much response from the show on Monday when, when we showed that and mm. didn't realise that it was, it was you know, it's, a, it's 20 miles off the coast of Cornwall and yeah. the beaches are like the Caribbean. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, because I've never actually been to the Isles of Scilly. I've got friends who used to go there as kids. Like It was one of those things they did every single every single year. But it's quite remarkable, isn't it? That, uh, it that... is beautiful. And it's literally, like I said, it's a stone's throw away. And, and you can say that a lot, a lot of places. You know, Rathenel Island in, in Northern, Northern Ireland as well was another place famous for the kelp. Mm. Um, you know, you, you can see that all the way around the whole of the, the, whole of the UK, really. Um, obviously, we're to Jersey and Guernsey, but um, and, and then you, you. But there are little hidden gems all over the place. Right, and how, and do you find the little hidden gems of, of sort of dishes as well that, that the locals cook that you don't, yeah, you don't get anywhere else? In Shetland, there's a place in Shetland. There's a guy making this salt cod. Uh, you have it in Spain quite a lot. They turn it into baklava, which is with the, the potatoes, and uh, and they cook it in milk. But there, they have this thing called the hairy tatties, which is they, they take this this fish called piltuk, uh-huh. and and they 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 salt it, and then you, you cook it in water or cook it in milk and mix it together with potatoes. But they have these amazing sort of uh, these little fish cakes. Wow. Uh, you can buy it online as well, so you can get you can get your your piltuk and your your salt cod. All the way from Shetland. Yeah, because I mean, tragically at the moment, none of us can follow in your footsteps at the moment. Well, no, but it gives you inspiration for when, when you know, we are allowed out. That I think there's going to be a lot more, you know, certainly a lot more staycations happening. Anyway, because the the ability to travel around the world is is not going to be no. that's not going to be switched on straight away for sure. Well, also, I think people will want to and and should want to um, sort of prop up the the, the economy in the UK before 100%. they start doing anybody else. I mean, I've been saying this for years, you know, about about produce and and and, and you know, we've relied so much on supermarkets. Well, you're realising now that that you know, by alienating the butchers and the fishmongers yeah. and the veg shops, this is what we're in the scenario now. Right. Um, and so, curiously, you know, when, it, when, when all the, 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 the queues were forming and people were just taking everything out of the, uh, the supermarkets, it was the smaller butchers and the fishmongers who actually were the lifeline because, yeah, and, you know, and, and they and were still able so to provide now, the you, stuff. You, you know? found that as, as, as sort of restaur- the restaurants are closed and the hotels are closed, the, the suppliers to those restaurants are stepping up to the plate. So I've been working with suppliers that used to supply my restaurant to... to to let them diversify, they donate about eleven thousand boxes a day that they're delivering now. Really? Just a small amount compared with what they would normally do, deliver to restaurants around the UK. But but that's growing. You know, it's it's taking pressure away from the supermarkets, but showing people you can actually there is an outlet. You can buy fresh fish, yeah. you can buy fresh meat, and you can buy fresh veg. And the, the advantage is now that we live in a climate. This is not seventy years ago when you were sat in a house and. There was stuff been rained on us. Yeah. Now you've got the internet. You've got you, you've got everything. You you know, so fortunate to have what we've got. Well, we've uh, also got people like you providing us with great ideas for things that we can cook. Because I mean, I you know, I'm probably <laughs> slightly older than you. I grew up in the seventies, right? And I was there when the three day week came in, and the, 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 we had one hour of electricity in the morning, one hour in the evening, and we only my, my parents were both from Scotland, and we basically ate soup and stew. <laughs> And mince and potatoes. Well, I bet you ate well, though. Well, we did, but, you know, we had this thing called Graham soup, which I still make today, which is a little vegetable soup they used to make in a pressure cooker. But, yeah. you know, there wasn't... You know, the smallest metro now 
was the biggest shop we had, yeah. you know, and that was it. No, it is. I mean, we're quite fortunate to have stuff delivered to us and, and the accessibility of stuff is still there. Um, to be fair, there's more chefs cooking now on social media than I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. And, and there's more people cooking at home, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, without wishing to, 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 to big myself up, I've just started doing a, a cooking at home podcast because yeah. I... You're I, one I, of the many. I've, I've refrained from doing that, you see. I'm just going to do a... I do a chat every Saturday with, with a chef every Saturday. I do it on Instagram. I'll do an Instagram live chat with them, but right. I, I think people don't want to see me cooking every single day they'll get me enough during the week and then on a weekend as well so. well that, well you've fortunately got a television show though so that's that's, <laughs> that's you know you you you're ahead of me and by 100 miles there but it's but it's just great fun and you know i thought it would be something that nobody would really be that interested in because it started off with p putting pictures out and stuff like that and some people go oh why are you showing us that but actually people are so bored at the moment that they'll watch anything and listen yeah, to well, anything yeah. you know it is i mean the popularity of food we we all have to eat for sure uh, and, and, you know, the, there are some positives that's coming out of a very dark situation that we're in. The, the positives are people are talking, people are having a conversation. That yes. they and people are helping each other out, you know, which is fantastic. It you really know, is. I, I, I've spent I've spent the last two weeks making so much pasta I can't even tell you, but I've probably made about four hundred kilos of pasta. Because I thought, what can I do to the village where I live? And yes, we're, we're quite remote where I live. Not remote compared with the Highlands, but. But I thought, rather than just leave a tray of eggs out and a bit of flour, mm. I said, uh, if I make some pasta, I got the pasta machine from the restaurant. It's a big commercial pasta machine. Right. And I spent every day making 50 kilos of wow. pasta. That's brilliant, because, of course, it's still quite hard to get in some shops pasta. Not here. I've got tons of it. <laughs> I don't know why people are buying so much of it, though, because, you know, it's like, well, it's, 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 oh, it's not going to go away mess, anywhere, is it? it? Now, I've got a question for you, uh, because I've just had this sent in from somebody. Yeah. Uh, they're making a shakshuka, which I've never made. I presume that's some kind of Middle Eastern dish. Yeah. Uh, he says, um, and this is Johnny, he says that uh, he's put too much cumin in it. Uh, how does he balance that out? I, I would suggest he just makes a bucket load of it. Yeah, just make twice the amount. Well, cumin's all right. It's not a bad spot. Lemon usually usually cuts a little bit out of it, but it sounds daft, but a touch of butter will will take the rawness of spice out. If you've got a lot of spice on there, uh, stuff like yoghurt, uh, dairy stuff, yogurt, yes. cream, butter, that kind of stuff. Lemon will take take the take the hit out of it. Oh, okay, interesting. And as far as your show is concerned, um, have you come across anything when you were making that that you didn't know about, like a food that you suddenly did, this is, you uh, discovered? I didn't know. Eighty percent uh, of the places places that I visited, I'd never been before. Okay. So you, when when the show airs further on, you've got four weeks of it, yeah. But the, certainly the final week, when when we end up in Shetland and end up in the Highlands. I mean, the stuff up there is just breathtaking. Yes, oh, um, fantastic. Absolutely spectacular. But there's, there's places all over. There's an amazing place uh, that, that, that produces eels, um, uh, Loch Ney, which is one Ooh. of the largest landlocked locks, freshwater yes. locks in, in Europe. I like a smoked eel. Uh, well, 100% of the eel that they, they catch there is all sent to Holland. All right. Uh, but the guy who, who fishes every day, every single day, be doing it now, Every day, he line, his, his line goes out. There's a 400 hooks on this line. He pulls it all in by hand. Wow. Um, but that, that literally, uh, and, and I cooked this fresh water, almost like a fresh water herring that I've never seen before. Mm. And I cooked it by this, this lock. And you'd think a lock would be flat. It was actually, it, it was actually like the sea. I really? mean, we were getting drenched. It was wow. literally been out in, in Force 5 in the middle of this lock. It was amazing. The weather but, up there is incredible, though, isn't no, it? No, it was just, it was incredible. It's, it's only about three miles uh, south of Belfast, five miles south, south of Belfast, but... 
yeah, that was that was amazing. So there's lots of things that I hadn't you know seen before, and right. and and eighty percent of the places where we visited, I've never been before. Fabulous. And I said at the start with the, there was a book. I wasn't sure if there was actually. Is there going to be a book as well? There is a book. Yeah, yeah. There is a book out now. Is the usual thing. But yeah, we did it before all this sort of happened. But uh, yeah, the book's out the same name now. Right. Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, James, good luck with it. Thank you very much indeed. We shall keep an eye on you uh, to see where you're going next. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. James Martin uh, with his new show, uh, Great British Adventure, uh, and a book as well, of course. Lots, lots more uh, for us to do. I can just before I talk to uh, Ian Collins, I can say Boris Johnson remains in ICU is the breaking news, but is responding to treatment. So that's a bit of good news uh, to finish this particular show with. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smartphone. Speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.